Hi, this is Bob Brooks, host of Long in the Tooth. We're happy to have you join us for this segment with CPA John Siebert, who serves a number of dentists nationally. And today we're talking about the subjects of PPP and uh, patient, or excuse me, uh, employee retention and uh, a number of those items that are very timely uh, right now in PPP2. So, John, we're happy to have you join us today. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, John, let's just start right into it. Uh, PPP1 was out this last year. We had, uh, you know, there was a high percentage of dentists who participated in that. I think I heard uh, a, uh, one of the large dental lenders in the country share that they had uh, like near 90% participation in that for their borrowers with uh, a lender that has about 10,000 10, loans out over the country. And so uh, it's, uh, it's time for these uh, forgiveness applications and those things that need to take place to, to address PPP1. Why don't you share with us uh, your thoughts on that, if you would? Sure. So the whole PPP process has been anything but a smoothly run operation. Um, from changing guidelines from the lo for the loans shortly after they were first issued to running out of money and having to be refunded to changing the number of weeks that the borrower had to spend the funds to the entire forgiveness process has been extremely frustrating both for the borrower and for the CPA community and the banking community that's trying to assist people with this. So just a quick refresher, as long as we had used PPP funds for at least at least 60% of the loan for payroll and then the remainder for either rent or mortgage interest payments on our business and utilities, then we're eligible to have the proceeds of the loan forgiven. And once this loan is forgiven, it is not considered taxable income to you and you are able still to deduct fully all expenses paid with the PPP funds. So... What ended up happening, to no one's surprise, is we had, there, this was an incredibly popular program. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 million PPP loans were issued, somewhere between 35 and 45 million. And when Congress created the PPP program, they mandated that the SBA has to forgive process to loan forgiveness applications within 60 days of receiving it. And the Small Business Administration, quite frankly, doesn't have the personnel to process 40 million applications in, six, in a 60-day window. So they were hoping that Congress would just blanket forgive loans under $150,000. In late December, we got new guidance and new legislation. And while we didn't get blanket forgiveness, what we did get was a massively streamlined process for the microloans which are loans of $150,000 or less to be forgiven, which is where most of the loans that were issued fall in. Um, the form is a one-page form. There's very little that needs to be attached. The bottleneck as of today, February 4, is we're still waiting on lenders to invite the borrowers to actually submit their application for forgiveness because it still all has to run through the banks. But what we should be seeing is a very simple process. If your loan was under $150,000, basically you're signing an affidavit that says that under penalty of perjury, you use the funds for allowable purposes and the SBA should rubber stamp it and forgive it. It really is supposed to be that easy. Good. 
Well, the experience that we've had with dentists who needed to sell their practices, of course, there was the option to set the money aside in escrow and go ahead and close. Early on, after COVID hit, there were actually some practices that sold that uh, even though there was a default provision that said, if you substantially change the operations of the business, you're in default, there were actually practice sellers that went ahead and closed. They told the banks and nobody said anything. So uh, that was, that's uh, kind of walking on thin ice there. Yeah, and it's been incredibly frustrating because the SBA and the banks have been wildly inconsistent with how they treat this issue. We've seen some instances where you know the, the selling physician has applied for forgiveness because of the sale and the SBA has expedited it. We've seen instances where, as you said, they had to, the seller had to escrow the funds in the off chance that the loan wasn't forgiven. We've heard stories of banks trying to put on hold the transaction until and, until, and make the doctor wait until he gets forgiveness. It's, we're just all over the map with this. And I, unfortunately, until the SBA really starts to crank out forgiveness of these things, I don't know that we're going to get much relief from, from that standpoint. Hopefully, as we get to the middle of February, most of the banks will have entered into their system the new forms and we'll start to see these things start to ratchet up and get approved. So, John, our experience with practice sellers since COVID has uh, been all over the board as well. In fact, uh, there were some lenders that said they would not provide practice acquisition loans to buyers if the practices had received PPP money and they had not yet received loan forgiveness. And at that time, the SBA was not receiving any loan forgiveness applications. So that made it quite problematic. But now it seems like the applications that are going in are being turned around fairly quickly. Now, the lender actually is the local lender, right? It's not the SBA. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. The, the bank is actually lending the money. Then the SBA is forgiving and paying the bank back the loan. Okay. So if your Very debt good. doesn't get forgiven, then you end up paying your bank over a 12-month period, not the SBA directly. And, and we hope that doesn't happen to anybody. Correct. For the single practice practice owners that we're associated with, I don't think we've seen any over the 150000 loan mark. We've had some multi-office multi practice owners that were well over that. But for the single practitioner, most are going to be under that one fifty. That's what we're seeing as well from an accounting standpoint. Yeah, it's, we've got a couple bigger multi-locations that were in the one fifty to two hundred k range, but the vast majority are under one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Now, uh, the uh, employee retention. Could you tell us about that? So, prior to PPP being created, the IRS kicked back in this thing called the employee retention credit, which was a refundable tax credit against certain payroll taxes assuming that you had a significant decline in receipts, then you were able to fill out a form and the government would essentially pay your social security taxes for you as a refundable tax credit. When the CARES Act passed, there was a stipulation in it that said that PPP loans and the employee retention credit were mutually exclusive. You could do one or the other, but not both. And because the PPP loan is essentially free money, most practitioners elected to forego the ERC and took the loan. Well, when they passed the extender 
bill became law at the end of December, there was language in that new law that dropped the mutual exclusivity portion. So if you got a PPP loan, you may now also claim the employer retention credit. There are some hoops we got to jump through. You, know, you have to have shown a significant decline in gross receipts from one calendar quarter in 2020 compared to 2019 or have been closed by government order. Since all of our dentists essentially were shut down for a period of six weeks, they would absolutely qualify for the ERC. The employee retention credits stop when your gross receipts rebound to 80% of their prior level. And this was extended then to June 30 of 2021. So it gives us a planning tool as we, if we have not yet filed for forgiveness. We want to make sure that we don't just blanketly claim 100% of our wages because we can't use the same wages twice. So if you were still paying rent and utilities, or if you own your building and you were still making your mortgage payments, we want to make sure that we claim at least 60% in wages and then claim the rest for forgiveness using utilities and rents so that we can then take a look to see if it may not make sense to go back and amend your Q2, 3, and 4 payroll tax returns to get this credit. There's a, there are a lot of moving pieces to this. You'd also then, if we claim the credit, we don't get to deduct those taxes on your tax return, on your income tax return. So there's a lot of things that we have to look at before we decide to do this. But if you have, if you're a practice that has 10, 12, 15 people working for you, this could be a significant refund that you're looking at. So it's definitely something you want to have a conversation with your tax provider and explore. How does the employee retention credit work with practices that have lost staff that aren't coming back? There are many practices that had hygienists, for example. Maybe some of them were retirement age. And they just said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to come back. And they haven't been able to replace them. And they would love to replace them. But through no fault of their own, these dental practice owners are down on staff and can, cannot get back you know, to, to full force. Yeah, unfortunately, this credit was designed to try and incentivize the practice owner to not lay off staff. What Congress was hoping to do with this credit was to avoid having state unemployment rules balloon as we were going into lockdown. So we only get credit based on wages actually paid. If you, But there is no, at least I don't believe that there is a look back to see how many FTEs we had and we couldn't drop our FTEs. Unlike the PPP loan, where we were supposed to keep our same level of full-time equivalence initially, that isn't a requirement with the ERC, but the ERC is limited to wages we actually paid. We don't get to claim a credit if someone left and didn't come back. Okay. Well, that clears that up. So now we move on to PPP2. What's uh, the story on that? So again, in late December, when Congress passed the Extenders Act, they created a second round of PPP funding. So before, you're only eligible for one PPP loan. Now you can quali may qualify for a second, but there is a revenues test that didn't exist with the first one. You have to have been down at least 25% in one calendar quarter in 2020 compared to 2019. Again, for most of our dentists, they should most likely meet this hurdle easily if they were shut down during April and into May. Um, 
We see some of our specialists that may not qualify because of how their payments treat. Like some of my orthodontists won't qualify for this because they got paid all the way through even though they were shut down because they're self-financing the, the treatment plans. But for our, our general practitioners, most of them will easily meet the barrier to qualify. So then you go through the application process again, just like you did the first time. But which should be no surprise to anyone, we're seeing all kinds of issues with SBA loans being rejected when they shouldn't be because of minor tweaks in the requirements that haven't fully been vetted and implemented by SBA. The biggest one that we're seeing is if you were a sole practitioner and you used your social security number to get your PPP loan the first time, you're now required to use your EIN to get your second one and that's causing an automatic rejection because you have to use the same taxpayer identification number to apply for both loans. So there, there are all kinds of issues with this. The SBA is aware. The AICPA, of which I am a member, sent a letter to Congress and the SBA on February 3rd outlining the urgent need to get these issues corrected as soon as possible. It's it's just been, it's just like the first PPP go-round, it's a circus. It's one mess after another. So the big takeaway with PPP2 is if you do get improperly rejected up front, don't get discouraged. Work with your lender and we'll get the get the rejection codes corrected. Good. Well, you know, this is of concern. This uh, All that we've talked about today is of concern to ongoing practice operations and also for practices that are interested in uh, transitioning their practices to new ownership in the not too distant future. Um, I just had a, a message from another buyer yesterday. What's the status of the seller's PPP? You know, and and they're wanting to know because the lenders are saying, hey, you know, we need to have a letter of forgiveness before we're going to fund this deal. And so uh, it's... Which seen- may give pause to potential sellers getting a second PPP loan because they won't be able to apply for forgiveness until either the eight-week or 24-week clock has expired. Okay. Wouldn't the eight or the 24-week period have been early on in the, the period after they were initially funded? It's from the time they get funded. So if they get funded today, the soonest they would be able to apply for forgiveness, my understanding is, is two months from today. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, I'm talking about those dentists that got funded last April. And now, so PPP1, in theory, the window should be open, but because of all the goalposts moving that the government's done, a lot of banks have paused taking applications while they update their systems. Got it. Got it. Well, John, this is our first episode of this uh, series, and we sure appreciate your input. And I hope all those that listen today will listen to our next episode where we're talking about um, matters that concern uh, dentists and regular operations and things they need, need to do for long-term planning and and so on. So, John, thank you very much for sharing with us today. Could you please share your contact information in case sure. somebody would want to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So, the best way to reach me this time of year is through email. John, J-O-H-N, at Columbus, then a hyphen or a dash, CPA.com. Our office line here is 614-367-7850. And yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to everybody today. Okay. I appreciate it. Well, this is it for Long in the Tooth today. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Bye now.